Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Last week, we began a new short series of messages on the doctrine of salvation. And uh, we are working our way toward important questions like, how can I be sure I'm saved? And can a person lose his salvation? That's where we're headed. But now, before we get to those important questions, we really need a, a better understanding of the nature of salvation. Before we can really talk about the nature of salvation, we need to understand the nature of lostness. So that's where we started last week, just how lost is lost. What does God save us from? And we saw last week, boy, it's worse than we thought. <laughs> how lost is lost? We saw that without Jesus Christ, we are sinners by nature. We saw that we are slaves of sin and death, controlled and owned by sin and death, that we are spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. We saw that we're part of an evil the world's system dominated by Satan and aligned against God. We are part of the world. Without Christ, we are the enemies of God. Let that sink in. We are the enemies of God without Jesus Christ. We saw that we are children of wrath, that the wrath of God abides upon us. We saw that we are condemned in our sins and that we are helpless to do anything about our lost situation. How lost is lost? It is lost without hope, and without God in the world. Now, that's where we started last week. Now, with that in mind, now today we can begin to look at the nature of salvation, just how saved is saved, and what does God save us from, how does God save us, how does the Bible describe salvation? What does God do in us, to us, for us, and with us when he saves us? So that's our subject this morning. That's where we're headed today. What I want you to see this morning, here's the punchline. Salvation is a supernatural transformation that God performs in the life of someone who repents and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is not a church ritual that you might do and walk away from. It's not a set of beliefs that you might adopt and then later reject. It's not some decision or, or some rite or ritual or a creed or a code or a code of behavior. It's none of those things. It's not a fire insurance policy that God might cancel. It's, it's not membership in a club that God might revoke. No, salvation is a miracle, a supernatural transformation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. So that's what I want you to see as we go through the message this morning. Now, let me say a couple of things about this message before we get there. One, it's weird. It's a weird message. It's, it's, it's not a normal sermon. And you may be thinking, Brother Jeff, all your sermons are weird. That's nothing new. If you saw the, saw the outline in the bulletin, holy cow, there's like 32 points. You probably thought, mm, I knew we should have gone to Hilldale. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to preach through 32 points. It's not a sermon. I'm basically giving you a list. I'm going to give you a list of ways the Bible describes salvation. So we're going to go fast. I'm not preaching out of a text, per se. We're not going to preach on all these points. I'm just giving you a list. I told you it was, it was weird. Not only that, but this list is not exhaustive. We're just skimming the surface of the riches of His grace. So this isn't all the Bible says about salvation. 
And then the third thing I want to say about it is that we are treaded on holy hallelujah ground this morning. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the stuff that we're about to see, this is your story. This is what God has done for you. This is shouting territory this morning. And if you don't know Christ, this is what God wants to do for you. So that's where we're headed today. All right, well, we're going to have to go fast, so buckle your pew belt and listen fast, okay? Here we go. So if you have your listening guide, it's inside the bulletin this morning. You have your listening guide, here we go. What happens when God saves a person? Well, number one, he redeems us. The Bible speaks of redemption. We are redeemed. In Ephesians 1.7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. We are redeemed. Redemption. To redeem means to pay for, to purchase, to buy back, to ransom. The Bible says, Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Particularly, redemption in the Bible is to ransom someone out of slavery, to redeem them, to pay their debts and to buy their freedom, to ransom someone out of slavery. In Christ Jesus, we are redeemed. What does that mean? Well, number one, it means that we are forgiven our sin debt. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Our sins are forgiven. Number two, we are set free from slavery to sin and death. We saw last Sunday, we are slaves of sin, owned and controlled by sin, leading to death. But in Christ Jesus, we are set free. We're redeemed. Our freedom has been bought. We are ransomed. Thirdly, we are made slaves of Christ and of righteousness. This is all redemption. Now we are made slaves of Christ and righteousness. If you have your Bible, I'm going to pretty well keep you in Romans, but if you want to look at Romans chapter 14, for example, and Romans 14 and verse 8, Romans 14, verse 8, If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. So without Christ, we're slaves to sin and death. In Christ, we're slaves of Christ, obedience and righteousness, and we are made slaves of Christ. We belong to Him. Number four, we are made instruments of righteousness. In Christ Jesus, we are instruments of righteousness. Let's go back to Romans 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In Christ Jesus, by virtue of redemption, we are made instruments of righteousness. Number five, we are set free from the dominion of Satan. Remember, we are slaves of sin. We're part of an evil world system aligned against God. Uh, dominated by Satan. We're set free from that system. Colossians 1.13 says that he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his own beloved son. That means that we become citizens of his kingdom. Now we're part of his kingdom. We're not a part of Satan's kingdom anymore and we don't follow King Satan. Now we are in the kingdom of heaven and we follow King Jesus. Paul said our citizenship is in heaven. That's all. That's just a snapshot of redemption. Look what God has done. That's just the beginning. So there's redemption. What happens when God saves us? He justifies us. So we are redeemed and we are justified. You're there in Romans. Go back to chapter 3, Romans 3 and verse 24. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, we just talked about redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. We're justified as a gift by His grace, 
through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Move over to chapter 5 and verse 1. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. What does it mean to be justified? Well, one, it means that we are forever acquitted of the condemnation of our uh, of the sentence of condemnation. We are forever acquitted. If you ever watch uh, TV crime shows or courtroom dramas, and you every now and then somebody gets acquitted in a court of law, they've been charged with some crime, but the judge or a jury says not guilty. That is to say, they are acquitted of the charges. Now, that doesn't mean they're innocent. It just means they couldn't prove their guilt. So they've been found not guilty or acquitted. We are acquitted. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been acquitted. Not only are we acquitted, not only are we declared not guilty, number two, we are declared righteous. This is justification. We are declared righteous. Not only are we declared righteous, we are actually made righteous. This is justification. Look at chapter 5 and verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience, that's talking about Adam, through Adam's sin, the many, that's you and me, we're the many, through Adam's sin, the many were made sinners. So we, we became sinners thanks to Adam's disobedience. Even so, through the obedience of the one, that's Christ Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, through the obedience of Jesus Christ, the many will be made righteous. Through Jesus Christ, we are made righteous. Philippians 3.9, Paul says, I want to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes on the basis of faith in Christ Jesus. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When you repent, turn from sin and self in the world and put your faith in Jesus, asking him to forgive you and to save you, God takes your guilt and imputes it to Christ. That is, credits it to Christ, applies it to Christ. And then God takes the righteousness of Christ and applies that to us, imputes it to us. He swaps your guilt for Christ's righteousness. So now, that's justification. I'm declared not guilty, acquitted. There is therefore now no condemnation. I am declared righteousness, just as if I had never broken God's law. How can that be? Because I'm made righteous with the righteousness of Christ. Not the righteousness of my own derived from the law, no such thing, but the righteousness of Christ on the basis of faith. That's justification. Let's keep going. Number four. Now that I am made righteous with the righteousness of Christ, I can do righteousness. I can do acts of righteousness. Um, without Jesus, we saw this last week, without Jesus there's none that doeth good, no, not one. Our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. But now in Christ, with the righteousness of Christ, we are able to do righteousness. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That's our new DNA. Remember, old things have passed away and all things become new. That's our new DNA. We can do righteous, righteous things. Number five, we are changed from, saint, uh, from sinners to saints. Again, this is all part of being justified. We are changed from sinners to saints. Let me show you a strong passage. First Corinthians. Hang on to Romans. We'll come back. 
But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let me show you a powerful little passage. This will help us all morning. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, that's sex before marriage, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, married people having sex out of marriage, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Those are unrighteous people doing unrighteous things, and those folks do not inherit the kingdom of God. doesn't matter what anybody else tells you. Don't be deceived. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen, Paul is talking to a church. Listen to what he says. Such were some of you in the church. Some of you did these things. Some of you were these kinds of people. You were these folks doing these things. You were that, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. We just talked about that. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Such were, same of you. You were justified. You were sanctified. Sanctified means set apart, made holy. Saints, the word saints means holy ones. At the beginning of this chapter, it says that we are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints. We're changed from sinners to saints. Now, you, you, have you ever heard someone say, well, I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace? You ever heard that? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. We say that a lot. And I know what we mean by that. I'm just a sinner. I'm not better than anybody else. No self-righteousness here. I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. But it's not technically accurate. Now, I'm a saint because I was a sinner. Saved by the grace of God. Such were some of you. You used to be that. You used to do that. But you were sanctified. You were justified. And now we are called to be holy ones. We are called saints. Number six, we are guaranteed glorification and inheritance. Romans 8.30. Romans 8 and verse 30. Whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. These whom he justified, he also glorified glorified that's the consummation of our salvation the fulfillment of all the promises that come with salvation all of it's going to be consummated glorified now in our temporal experience of life and time we haven't experienced that glorification but in the counsels of god it's already done we are already glorified. Whom he justified, he glorified. It's a done deal. It's a, it's a promise. We are also have an inheritance. Titus 3, 7 said, Being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Well, that's justification in a nutshell. But that's not all. Not only do we have redemption and justification, we are reconciled. What happens when God saves someone? We are reconciled. What does that mean? We were the enemies of God. We talked about that last week. We were the enemies of God, alienated from God, hostile in mind toward God, engaged in evil deeds, storing up wrath against the day of wrath, and the wrath of God abides upon us. How lost is lost? Lost. The enemies of God. But in Christ Jesus, when you repent and put your faith in Him, Jesus reconciles you to the Father. And now we have peace with God. You're no longer His enemy. We have peace. That's what we see. Let's look at Romans 5. Romans 5 and verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10. 
If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So now we have peace with God. We're not the enemies of God anymore. We're not separated from God. We're not under the wrath of God. We have peace with God. We're reconciled. Not only that, but Christ is our mediator. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Paul writes, there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Who can broker peace between God and his enemies? Only Jesus Christ. But he's the mediator. He can reconcile us. He can bring us together. And one of the themes of the book of Hebrews is that Christ mediates, Christ our mediator, Christ our high priest, Christ mediates a better covenant enacted on better promises. And what I want you to see and hear is that salvation is a covenant. It is a covenant relationship that God initiates, <laughs> that God ratifies, and that God brings to bear. And he, he's the one who mediates it and ratifies it. It is a covenant relationship. Christ is our mediator. So now we are reconciled. We have peace with God through this covenant mediated by Jesus Christ. And then he also regenerates us. We've got to keep going. He regenerates us. To regenerate means to bring to life, bring new life, to invigorate, and so forth. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be regenerated? Well, one, we are washed clean. Washed clean and purified. The washing of regeneration. The Bible says that, uh, that he cleanses our hearts. Acts 15, he cleanses our hearts. First John says the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. First Corinthians 6.11, remember we read ago, a moment ago, such were some of you, you used to be these people doing these things, that's who you used to be, but you were washed, washed. We sing the song in church, what can wash away my sins? You know the answer, nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's the washing of regeneration. Baptism does not wash away your sins. That's Clarksville gas and water water. It, it might wash away something if you put soap in it, but then it will leave a hard water stain. <laughs> it can't wash away sins. But blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. That's the washing of regeneration. We are cleansed of the filth of our sin. Number two, we are born anew, given new life, made alive in Christ. That's, that's the definition of of regeneration we are made alive in christ jesus said in john 3 you must be born again and john 5 he talks about the christian who has passed out of death into life we passed out of death and into life ephesians 2 5 we were dead in transgress in our transgressions but he has made us alive together he's made us alive together with christ we are made alive we were stone cold dead in sin and God gives us life. He makes us alive in Christ. That's regeneration. That means, number three, we are born into his family. We're born into his family. John 1:12. to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We are born into the family of God. Born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Born of God into the family of God. That's regeneration. Not only that, but we know God. This is regeneration. By virtue of regeneration, reconciliation, all of this, they all overlap. 
we know God. Jesus said in John 17, This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's the definition of eternal life. That's salvation. To have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. A relationship that shapes and defines your entire life. That's what it means to be a Christian. Again, it's not joining a church that you may never attend again. It's not agreeing to a set of beliefs that you might later reject. It's not a, a code of conduct that you might not follow very well. It's a relationship with God brokered by His Son, Jesus Christ, that shapes and defines your life. And you know God, to know the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, that's regeneration. And then there is adoption. There is adoption. What happens, what happens when God saves someone? Saves someone? We are adopted. Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bible, look at Romans 8, verse 15. You have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God because he adopted us. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So by virtue of adoption, we are made the children of God. And because we're the children of God, we are also the heirs of God. We just read that. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. You have no doubt heard of an unplanned pregnancy an unwanted baby? Have you ever heard of an unplanned adoption? <laughs> an unwanted adoption? No, no such thing, is there? Adoption is one family saying to someone who's not in their family, we want you in our family. We want you to be a part. We want you in our family. That's adoption. What happens when God saves someone? He adopts us. He adopts us into his family. And we're made children of God and heirs of Christ. But wait, there's more. Y'all ever seen those infomercials? You know, but wait, there's more. If you order today, you get a free grapefruit peeler. Not just one, but two. Order today. But wait, there's more. We are in Christ. Let's, let's go through these quick. We are in Christ. In Christ Jesus. We have a new position, a new reality. We, we spent some time in Ephesians earlier this year. You want an interesting little Bible study? Go through the book of Ephesians. And circle and underline and look at all the times that Paul uses the prepositional phrase, in him, in Christ, in the beloved. We have a whole new position, a whole new frame of reference. We are in Christ. Number two, we are baptized into the body of Christ. When you get saved, when you say yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. Baptism is kind of pictures that. It's a, it doesn't do that, but it's a picture of it. You are baptized into the body of Christ. Number three, we're a new creation. That's where we started, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. This isn't a 12-step program. It's not recovery. It's not rehab. It's not reform. It's not self-improvement. It's not trying to do better. It is a recreation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Number four, we, we have a new man and a new self because we're new. And that's the language of Ephesians uh, two and four. We have a new man. We put on the new self. Number five, we are identified with Christ. Romans six. We are identified with Christ on his cross. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. We have died with Christ. We identify with his death on the cross. We are identified with him in his burial. That's Romans six. You hear me say it every time I baptize. Buried with him in baptism. 
raised to walk in the newness of life, Romans 6. We are identified with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. We are identified with Christ. Not only that, we are spiritually healed. Spiritually healed. The Bible says, by his stripes, you are healed. Now, the uh, TV preachers, they'll take that and make that a promise of physical healing. But it's not a promise of physical healing. It's a promise of spiritual healing. Our problem is not a physical problem. Our problem is a spiritual problem. We need Jesus. We need a spiritual healing. We're spiritually healed in Christ Jesus. Not only that, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2. And again, in our experience of time, our experience of life in this corridor of time, we haven't seen that, we don't feel that, we haven't experienced it, but in the counsels of God, it's already done. We are already seated with him in the heavenly places. Number eight, we are enlightened. In Christ Jesus, we are enlightened. John 8 says that we don't walk in darkness, but we have the light of life. Jesus said in, uh, in John 12, 1 Thessalonians also, five, uh, 1 Thessalonians also says we are sons of light. We are sons of day. 2 Corinthians 4 says that God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and in the face of Christ. God has enlightened us, opened our eyes. The Bible says that Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Satan blinds the mind of the lost person but God enlightens the heart and mind and life of the believer. Now we are sons of light, sons, sons of the day. Number nine, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We are indwelt by the Spirit. Jesus promised in John 14 that he would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He would abide with us. He would stay with us forever. 1 Corinthians 6 says that, Do you not know you're not your own? Your body, you, you, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God. So when you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God moves in. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. He will not leave you. Not only that, but we have the Holy Spirit as a pledge. Number 10, we have the Holy Spirit as a pledge. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says that God sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge, a down payment, a, a deposit, a guarantee of things to come. The Holy Spirit is our pledge. And then, chapter, number 11, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit as well. The Bible says that we are Sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. We are sealed for the day of redemption. And that seal of spirit speaks of authenticity, speaks of ownership, and it speaks of security. Phew! Wow! We didn't talk about atonement. Didn't talk about sanctification very much. We didn't talk about propitiation. I mean, we just, that's just some of it. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... Look what God did for you. How lost is lost? Lost. Condemned. Without hope and without God in the world. How saved is saved? Hallelujah. Saved is saved. Now I want you to take away two things this morning from this crazy message. Two, two things. One, the nature of salvation. Salvation... Being a Christian, getting saved, is not joining a church that you might never attend again. It's not believing certain things that you might later not believe anymore. It's not acting a certain way that you might stop acting in that way. It's not membership in a club that God might revoke. It's none of those things. What is the nature of salvation? It is a supernatural transformation. It is a miracle of miracles that God performs in the heart of the man or the woman or the boy or the girl 
who repents and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not something we do. We don't muster it. We don't manufacture it. A preacher can't give it to you. A priest can't pronounce it. The church can't offer it. You don't build it. It is a miracle that God does. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. He's been transformed, regenerated, brought to life from the dead. God does all of it. That's the other thing I want you to see. Out of these 32 things, (laughs) 32 points, out of these 32 actions, which of them do we do? Zero. You didn't do any of these things. God does all of these things. Well, what do we do? What do we contribute to the process? Well, Ephesians 1 says it this way. After listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's pretty well sums it up. What do we do? We listened and we believe. You listen to the gospel. You believe the gospel. You repent and believe and receive by faith this miracle of God. We don't do much. (laughs) We hear, we believe, we repent, and we just receive by faith this gift of eternal life. That's salvation. You don't do it. Now, we're working our way toward the question, how can I be sure I'm saved? Can a saved person ever be lost? Let me give you a sneak peek. Nowhere in the Bible... Do you hear any language even remotely sounding like God reversing any of these things? What does God do when he saves us? He redeems us. Nowhere in the Bible do you hear anything like, well, God will unredeem you. God might just sell you back into slavery to sin and death. You don't find that in the Bible. He justifies us. Nowhere do you hear in the Bible, well, if you don't act right, God might just unjustify you and make you guilty all over again. You don't hear that. He adopts us. Nowhere do you hear in the Bible, well, God might just unadopt you and kick you out of his family. You don't, you don't see that in the Bible. Well, he, 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 he reconciles us. Well, nowhere do you hear language in the Bible where you've been reconciled, but now God's had it with you and you're his enemy all over. You don't see that in the Bible. You don't hear anything like God reversing the miracle of salvation. It's not in there. That's a sneak peek. So, the question this morning is, Have you been saved? If you're trusting, well, I said a prayer when I was eight years old, but there's nothing nothing that comes after that. You just said a prayer, easily uttered, soon forgotten. That's not salvation. Salvation is a miracle. It's a transformation. Well, I joined a church once upon a time. You know, I haven't been there in a long time. Well, that's that's not salvation. That's that's not this. Well, I agree with this this doctrinal statement. Well, that doesn't make you a Christian. Salvation is a supernatural transformation that God performs. Have you been transformed? Do you have a personal relationship with God that shapes and defines your entire life? Do you know Him? That's salvation. Have you been born again? If so, hallelujah, look what God did for you. And now you ought to love Him better and worship Him better and serve Him better because look what God did for you. If you don't know Him, this is what God wants to do for you. Say yes to Jesus Christ. He wants to redeem you. He wants to justify you. He wants to adopt you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to wash you. He wants you in his family. All these things, what he wants to do for you. But you must repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus Christ and say, Oh, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'm guilty. I'm lost. 
without hope and without God in the world. But I believe you died on the cross, that you were buried, that you were raised again, that you're the Son of God, you're the only Savior, the only mediator between God and man. Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me. Receive by faith his gift, that miracle of salvation and eternal life. Say yes to him. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the miracle, the transformation of salvation. And Lord, help us to see salvation the way you present it in your word, not just as a church thing, not as a man-centered thing, not as something that we have earned or manufactured, but a miracle that you perform in our hearts and lives when we repent and believe. God, I pray for the one who's never been saved. Help them to hear and know they are lost without hope, without God in the world. It's worse than they thought. They are lost to God, condemned in their sins. Lord, bring them to the cross even now. Father, just take charge of this time of decision. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.